Hey, it's me, Colin, your beloved co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading our show and for supporting us. If you like what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving us a nice review on a podcast service of your choice. And if you really like us, like really, venture on over to Patreon and subscribe to Colin's Last Stand. Doing so gains you access to the weekly Sacred Symbols supplemental podcast we call Sacred Symbols Plus. And you can also get ad-free access to every standard episode of the show, like the one you're listening to right now, three days earlier than the public. Other perks include submitting your inquiries and thoughts to be used on the show, and you can even determine some of the games we record Let's Plays for. I'll be frank, Colin's Last Stand's Patreon is a bonanza of value. And hey, we have merch too, so check it out at tinyurl.com slash sacredshirts. So consider showing your support if you can or even want to. But hey, if you want to just keep listening like you are right now, that's cool too. We love you either way. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 63. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by the luxurious Chris Ragon. Chris, thank you for joining me today. It is I. I have returned. Now, what is this T-shirt you're wearing here? Huh? Oh, it's a it's a plumbus. What is that? I don't know. It's some Rick and Morty garbage. Oh, OK. <laughs> I, I, I kept looking at it and I'm like, Sur- surely it's not a Mega Man reference, but the blue, it, it has that blue blue bomber pop. And then it looked like a schematic for a it's Dr. A, Wily a, robot. It's a truly disgusting thing. Yeah, I yeah. don't like it. I'm a genius, so I wear Rick and Morty things. <laughs> yeah, what's with the commentary around Rick and Morty fans? Are they consi- Do they consider themselves like really smart or something like that? No, I think it was like a meme that oh, like okay. some kid <laughs> said something about. I th- I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was originally like a joke or not, but one person somewhere was like, you have to have a really high IQ to understand Rick and Morty. <laughs> and it became this enormous joke. I wonder what my IQ is. I've, I've never taken like a real IQ test. People think I'm really smart, but I don't know if I'm as smart as people think. I think that if I took an IQ test, I probably am, am in some ways woefully inadequate. That's what the IQ test would say. When yeah, it, when I, I really don't know what the science is behind an IQ test in the first place. Is. Intelligence quotient. Well, I know what, what it stands that, for. No, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? It means you're quotient for intelligence. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure what a quotient is. Chris, it's good to see you today. Mm-hmm. Sacred Symbols Plus, our supplemental podcast. Yes. That goes up for our patrons. It's booming. I, I want to say something real quick. Yee. Pa- Sacred Symbols Plus has been a massive hit. Collins Last Stand's Patreon is bigger than it's ever been now. We're gaining more and more people. People are loving it. Hell yeah. And we really are grateful for that because with the show with Sacred Symbols Plus, which is the weekly supplement that goes live for Collins Last Stand's patrons, we didn't really know what it was going to be. And I, I still, we've done five episodes and I still don't really know what it is. It's kind of nebulous. I think that's kind of the point of it. Yeah. You know, it yeah. could be whatever. I love the word nebulous, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's a great word. word. Yeah. Like the word nebula in space. You can see where they got that word from, from yeah. the word nebulous, <laughs> which is a fantastic word. So I just wanted to thank everyone, Chris, for their really kind support of us. The most recent episode is about cancel culture and Gamergate. People really took to that. The next episode, which we're going to record right after this, and we'll go live later this week, is finally our control spoiler cast and review discussion. I'm really excited to talk about it. And like I said, or like I will say, I'm going to say it. So I'm going to telegraph forward ahead of time. There's not that much out about this game. I don't know if you were reading about the game or Googling it. No one has almost anything about it because no one knows what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been doing a fair bit of research. I was pretty surprised. Uh, 
by like how little commentary is out there about it because I think it's so mind breaking. Yeah, that people are like, I don't know. <laughs> it is it, really confusing. Yeah, I still don't really know exactly what it's about, but I'm excited to talk about that. And I wanted to bring that up too because as I promised and as Chris promised before Sacred Symbols Plus began, any spoiler cast review discussion episode will go live for the public on the normal feed. Yeah. So it'll be like a little teaser for SS Plus, but I just don't want that content to be behind a paywall. And so we're going to get that up. And then Borderlands 3, which we didn't get early copies of. That's not a huge surprise. Everyone ignores us. We will play that. And that will be the next spoiler cast review discussion that we will do in the coming weeks once we have time to to work our way through it, because I suspect that we'll both play that game. Yeah, I think so. pretty heavily. Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, Let's Plays are still going live on our YouTube channel. We just did one with Mega Man 2. Chris playing Mega Man 2. You guys tried to trick him into playing a Colin game. We thought, oh, Chris sucks at 2D side scrollers. <laughs> he won't be able to play to the incredible skill level. I was rusty in yeah. fairness. But you were good. I mean, I've seen, let's say, novices or newcomers play Mega Man before. It's not pretty, dude. Yeah. And people make it out to be so much harder than it is. And it's really not that hard. There are way harder <laughs> games on NES than the Mega Man games. So Chris Ninja Chris Gaiden. And, yeah, Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden's is, fucking impossible. Ninja Gaiden's way more difficult. That's a great example. Also, like Castlevania 3, shit like that. Way harder games. And so go look for that. We also recently did a Dreams Let's Play. Upcoming River City Girls. We're going to do that. Really great game. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the games we're playing. Yeah. Remember, you can buy merch at tinyurl.com slash sacred shirts. Now, Chris, let's get into some of the things we need to talk about before we get into the games, before we get into the news, before we get into the questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the audience. Just setting the table. I'm feeling like real energetic today. Yeah, it's good. I like it. We are. I'm well rested. Yeah, that's, I'm going that's to bed rare. at a more normal hour, like two, <laughs> two a.m. Yeah, that's early for me. Uh, that's, uh, I saw you tweet the other day at like five and I'm like, yeah, that's, that was t- that's that was my, this morning. <laughs> that's my. Oh, you did that this morning. Yeah. I'm often going to bed when the sun's coming up. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate is that my room is just fucking blasted by the sun, my bedroom. So I I wear the the Golden Girls Blanche Devereaux mask. Oh, you do? Yeah. I do the same thing. Do you really? Yeah. I got one on on, uh, Amazon. It's very silky. I only do that because I sleep like one of my eyes stays a little bit open. That's weird. Because I have to, you know, I got to be careful. You got to keep one eye on the liberal dry, agenda. It gets dry, so I have to, <laughs> I have to wear a mask. You always got to keep one eye on the liberal agenda, even when you're sleeping. <laughs> even when you're sleeping. Chris, right before we started recording, Jeff Keighley, our buddy Jeff Keighley, revealed that Naughty Dog is going to be showing The Last of Us Part Two in Los Angeles, where we are, presumably at Naughty Dog's office in Santa Monica. I really highly doubt we're going to be invited to that. Yeah. I said some snarky things on Twitter, which I deleted, but... Sony just pretty much ignores us entirely. And I don't mean to be mean or rude. I know the Sony PR people in there. They've always been nice to me, but I just don't understand why they don't really answer us. They, they do give us games when we are persistent. Yeah. But I recently emailed them about Blood and Truth, which is the Sony London PSVR game. I'm telling you that game sold like nothing because it's a PSVR game. Right. You think they would give that to anyone like they would get through half of a sentence asking for Blood and Truth. Be like, oh, this guy wants Blood and Truth. And then they and they send it to him. But yeah, I was just ignoring they that. Operate, would, they yeah. operate on a weird wavelength. Definitely over there. So I feel like we have to be honest with our audience. And I just want to set the stage that I, I really doubt we're going to be invited to that. And I'm not really that disappointed by it because I don't know that I want to see it. <laughs> I've seen enough of The Last of Us, honestly. I've seen more than enough. Yeah, it's getting it's getting a little Spider-Man-ish. Yeah, like I've seen enough gameplay of it to know it's like that's going to be The Last of Us. OK. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually kind of thrilled that we will hopefully not be invited to it, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. my, my bigger concern right now with Sony PR is like, are we going to get Concrete Genie and are we going to get Medieval, which are the only two PlayStation exclusives that come out the, for the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah. Sony PR, I know you guys have someone listen to this every episode. I have that on great authority, by the way. So, you know, reach out to us. Talk to us. Yeah. It's me. It's Colin. <laughs> it's your old friend, Colin. He stays here and collects G.I. Joe's. I do. <laughs> Chris, was, does. Chris was asking me, well, what do you how do you feel about what's going on over here in the office? It's certainly a, it's a it's a menagerie. <laughs> There's a bunch. I have probably 100 or more loose G.I. Joe's that I've yet to clean and catalog. See, I take them apart with the screwdriver. Is that a specific G.I. Joe screwdriver? No, no it was like an Amazon thing with different bits. And I use these tweezers to grab some things. This is a whole educational little lecture I'm getting here. I have this label maker to make labels. (laughs) I haven't seen a label maker in fucking decades. Here are O-rings. Now, these go inside the G.I. Joe. These go inside the G.I. Joe. You want me to show you what happens? I can show you one day. No, it's okay. The last time I saw a label maker, it was actually the 90s. And this is Doc from 1983. He's the G.I. Joe's first medic. Now, my concern about this. This is what hell feels like, I bet. Because he has like some sort of gun, which is weird because that would therefore, according to the Geneva Convention, a medic can't wield an offensive weapon or he loses his right on the battlefield to not be shot at, basically. What? Yeah, that's true. So he has a pistol on his leg here. Wait a minute. Wait, are people... On the opposing side of a firefight? Yeah. Really attempting not to hit medics? You are supposed to, by the rules of war first outlined in the 19th century, not supposed to shoot at medics. There's no way that that's followed. It's probably, well, so the argument, it's a mutually assured destruction thing, right? Right. If but you shoot no... our medics, we're going to shoot your medics. If you mistreat our prisoners, we're going to mistreat your yeah, prisoners. Yeah, but right. But there's no, it's like, oh, it's a ooh, up, stray bullet. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Like, no, I'm sure. There's mis- no fucking way. I'm sure accidents that's hilarious. That's the first time I'm hearing about this. I think there are four Geneva Conventions now. I think the last Geneva Convention was written after World War II, which was uh, pretty bloody. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. A little one. bit, yeah. Chris, as you know, and as the audience knows, you can write into us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Austin Prentice wrote into us. We have some corrections that we need to get through. Right. And you're especially stupid. So this one's for you. <laughs> Hello, Colin and Chris. This is in response to the Ice Age game talked about briefly last episode. It being mentioned made me remember what I thought was a dead franchise in line with Chris's statement that the last movie release must have been ages ago. I I don't think he meant that as a pun. A quick Google revealed that there are now five films in the franchise, with the most recent release being in 2016. Oh, yeah. And that the films were owned by 20th Century Fox, which means the Ice Age franchise is now a Disney property. Hopefully the merger has killed any and all future endeavors for this franchise besides the oddity of the upcoming game which may have been too long, uh, far along in production to cancel. So we just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I mean, I knew about those movies, but those, those movies, I don't think, came out in theaters. No, probably saying. not. They were straight to video, I'm pretty sure, which is what's so confusing about it. Like, it's very clearly not a franchise that people are clamoring for, you know? Indeed. No one's screaming for the next Ice Age. No, no. Where's no Ray is... Romano going to be this time? Does he do a voice in the Yeah, uh, he's the Age? mammoth. Oh. He goes like, Deborah. Oh, man. <laughs> or whatever the fuck. I wanted to love Everybody Loves Raymond so much because it takes Long place Island, on Long Island. Island. He's a huge Jetson Islanders fan in the show, and he writes for Newsday, which is Long Island's newspaper. Yeah. But imagine something being on Long Island about a Long Islander who's a Long Island sports fan, and I still hate it. Imagine how bad that must be. It's okay. That's Everybody Loves Raymond. It's all right. I don't think so. <laughs> you know who really bothered me on that show was the brother, who had also had a really weird oh, voice. Oh, Brad Garrett? Yeah. yeah. They got the guys with the uh, very distinct voices. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Oh. Yeah, there you go. 
John Coulter wrote in, we talked about NBA 2K20 last week, which by the way is apparently catastrophically broken. I don't know if people are seeing the videos that are going live and all of this. Apparently no. the game is just totally borked, which is really surprising actually, because the game is usually in great shape. John Coulter said, FYI, NBA 2K20 is rated E for everyone. We assumed it was rated T for teen. So he says, according to the ESRB, a three-year-old can play it and engage in the roulette wheel without raising any concerns. I still don't agree with your con- this consensus opinion that a three-year-old can play NBA 2K20 and go to the roulette wheel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He still needs money. Right, right. He still needs money. You're all a bunch of Puritans. <laughs> Why don't you guys all go where? The game's fucked, though. If it's, if it's broken and they're doing this. It's astounding. Yeah, it's weird. Like the lack of care that goes into that. This is what I mean. It just promotes such a lack of care, this shit. Indeed. If you just put out a piece of shit and it makes money forever, what what incentive do you have to care about it? It's insane. Little to no. Little uh, to none. Little to none, I should say. I don't know how to speak English. But I'm sure the NBA 2K20 saga will continue. Oh, I'm sure. Tyler Ryan wrote in and said, not a question, but just wanted to mention that Monster Hunter Iceborne's DLC has its own platinum trophy. As far as I know, this is the first time a non-standalone DLC has had its own platinum trophy list. Is Iceborne a not a standalone game? I thought Iceborne was a standalone release, like similar to Infamous Second or no, no Infamous I think First it's a, Light. I think it's an add-on. I think I think it's more of an expansion. Okay. That's why I think it's, I don't know if this is like the first time, like, because this is along the lines of like Destiny Forsaken or like, you know, stuff like that. It, it is an additional piece of DLC content, but it's not something as small as like the Spider-Man, you know, the Spider-Man chapters that they put out post-release. I wonder if what he's I looked into this a little bit because he says it's the first time a non standalone DLC has had its own platinum trophy. So there are plenty of standalone DLC that did have platinums, right? Uh, yeah, Drive yeah. Club Bikes had a platinum. We just mentioned First Light had a platinum. There's a bunch of shit. The Wolfenstein uh, spinoffs had platinums. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, I guess. But I, I always just thought Iceborne you could just buy separately. I don't know. No, I guess the not. DLC. Yeah. Interesting. By the way, Sony UK's PlayStation Twitter account, I don't know if you saw this, they made they, they created quite the fracas mm-hmm. this past week. Quite a brouhaha. Indeed. They had mentioned that the X button is called cross. And this was like a major story, but we've known this for many years. Yeah, we've talked about this a couple times. I have a shirt I bought at PSX yeah, cross that says cross or... on it. Yeah. I This is what... This really bothered me when this came because I'm like, where is everyone's head at? (laughs) I know that not all of you listen to sacred symbols all the time, right? But we educate you on this show. The X has always been the cross button. It's been the cross button since the 90s, in fact. It has. I just it reminds me of when everyone was like, did you know you can press square on a secret trophy and see what it is? And I'm like, yeah, that happened three years ago. You fucking noobs. (laughs) Noobs. So I just wanted to really let out some anger and frustration. I acknowledge that it's called the cross button, but I refuse to call it that. No, I won't there's call it that n- I'm never going to call it the fucking cross button. Do I look like a Japanese there's man? Too many, there's too many other X buttons. You know what I mean? Like the Xbox has an X button. The the the, the Nintendo has an X button. And the PlayStation has an X button that I'm going to call a cross. Nah. I understand what they're saying because they're supposed to be Maybe shapes. they should put a tiny man nailed to it and then maybe then I'll call it a cross. That would be awesome. That's the Jesus button. <laughs> That would be, I would love that. It's Turn it up. 90 degrees, right? And right, 90 degrees? Or well, you can degrees. leave it where it is, but you can maybe have him oh. carrying it. Oh, so before he was uh, yeah, nailed yeah, to the cross, he did carry it. That way, it could. it's very obvious <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's fucked up. You know, Pontius Pilate really got away with one, didn't he? I'll tell you what. I like that name. It's an interesting name. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and I was like, Pontius Pilate? 
Sounds like a villain. Sounds like a really cool villain. Yeah, I mean, he is. It's almost like it's almost like Jesus or God. It's the same person, apparently. I don't really understand that. Knew that this was going to be a story told through time. And so they needed a great antagonist, right? A great name for an antagonist. And it's like, oh, uh, you know, Thomas, uh, Thomas Smith could kill Jesus, but no. Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate's going to kill him. It's a very anime name. Definitely. Love it. There probably is an anime about Pontius Pilate. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the Bible is basically an anime anyway. Yeah, in some way. In some way it is. Austin Anderson wrote into us on Twitter. Or no, on Patreon. He didn't write into us on Twitter. That's a lie. He said, hey, corn dog, Colin and croissant, Chris. Okay. How do you feel about the fact that Macaulay Culkin, the now 39-year-old star of Home Alone, is advertising his own podcast during mid-rolls on your podcast? I didn't know this was happening. I didn't know this was happening either. Amazing. Because our our ad people just take care of this, so it's very exciting. Well, I wouldn't want to cross Macaulay Culkin, so I'm going to be nice. No. You wouldn't want to ex Macaulay Culkin, I think you mean. (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. That's very exciting news. Now, it's funny. People are hearing also our advertisement for our show and other shows. So a girl that I went to college with messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, I just heard you advertising your show on some other show. And I'm like, that's... I guess the wheels of uh, commerce are working as yeah. intended. Thank God. Kevin White wrote into us and said, what's up, CNC Podcast Factory? With Nintendo releasing another Direct this past week, it got me thinking, what the hell happened to Sony's state of play? It's dead. I know the first two weren't exactly groundbreaking, but we have now gone over four months without another presentation. Any idea on why that is? Could they be waiting until they have a solid release date for The Last of Us Part Two to announce? Thank you both for all that you do to entertain us every week. It's worth noting that I think that they are going to release The Last of Us Two's release date at this event. In yeah, I think summer. so, too. But... What do you how do you feel about about no state of play? I hadn't really thought about that. Well, I think it's it's pretty obvious. It's because both times they've done it. I think it's two times, right, that they've done it so far. Maybe three. I think two. I can't even remember. Two times. Which, is, which should tell you a lot. That's exactly what I'm saying. The fact that it kind of had a lukewarm reception both times is like, ah, you know, maybe we'll just wait until we have something interesting. You know, some big blowout thing for the end of it, maybe. And I think they're waiting for that, which probably won't happen until I think maybe it's just gone until PSX, honestly, could be. I, I feel like I feel like people have been hard on State of Play. I liked it. I thought it was pretty neat. Like it would have been. See, here's the. I way agree you, that it was fine. It yeah. was totally fine. But like the reception to it was like, eh. and maybe they're not looking for and eh. maybe like because their strategy right now seems to be like I'm going to be as quiet as possible, make no noise, go to no shows. You might as well not put out something in your silence that makes people go. Eh. You know what I mean? You might as well just stay completely silent. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I just think that you can't abandon an initiative so early if you don't want to if you're not seeing what you want out of it immediately. I think yeah, the best way for them to do state of play is to just say, hey, the first Wednesday of every month, we're going to have one of these regardless. And we're just going to show things. And that way it, it sets expectations that it's always going to happen. But maybe it'll be of a different quality every time you do it. I, I just think abandoning something so prematurely is foolish. Oh, I agree. You but know? I do think that's why. It could be. I, I still believe that they're going to do another one, but I think that they just have nothing to say. Like doing one on Concrete Genie and on Medieval, some PSVR games and some third party games, I think would be very smart. I think we might get one maybe, if anywhere, beginning of October. Any later than that, then it's kind of, you're kind of saying shit that you might as well just say at PSX. Cocktober. That's what I like to call that, the month of October. Okay. It's fitting, I think. I, I suppose. Johnny Rosado wrote into us and said, Dear Comrade Colin and CrossFit Chris... With the Naughty Dog games such as Uncharted 2 and 3 and The Last of Us now offline, have you, either of you ever been locked out of the Platinum because online servers are off? The only thing preventing me from getting the Platinum in Red Dead 2 is two online trophies. I'm afraid if I don't get them soon, I'll forget and be locked out of that Plat one day. I really wouldn't worry about this with Red Dead 2, which I assume will be online for probably more than a decade Yeah. at, at this point on the PS4. But yeah, yeah the, the, you cannot get the Platinum trophy anymore in 
Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, and The Last of Us on PS3 if you did not get the online trophies already because they're impossible to get now. Yeah. That my, happens. Yeah, but my assumption is it's been a long time. Mm. If you really wanted those platinum trophies, you would have them by now. Definitely. Like well before this was even remotely a, th- a, a piece of concern for you. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's really that big of a deal. I don't think so either, especially with Uncharted 2 and 3. You literally just had to play one online game, as I remember, and you would just get the trophies. Yeah. The Last of Us took about 40 to 50 hours to get the online trophies. So that was a that was a different thing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about The Last of Us in a minute because I just recently played through it again. But I understand if people like I was reading like really urgent threads on PSN profiles and PlayStation trophies forums and stuff about The Last of Us and how it was going offline and people trying to figure out if they could rapidly get these trophies and I'm like no sir not in the last of us you can't so I'm sorry about that Gustavo Ochoa wrote in and said hey CNC I know you already briefly touched on this last week but I need the sacred symbols blessing before I start feeling bummed out we are less than three months away from what used to be the yearly PSX weekend is it safe to say that the event will be absent this year as well I was really hoping Sony to blow a small load and plant the seeds for PS5 at the end of the year however all signs are showing that Sony isn't planning to do anything until 2020 perhaps though a random February event like the PS4 what are your thoughts I think February Seems pretty clear that they're not going to do anything at the end of the year. If they're going to do PSX in December like they were for a little while, they would have announced that already, I think, by now. So, yeah, yeah, maybe Q1 at this point. I still really believe that it makes the most sense for them to reveal it in front of a, uh, an audience at PlayStation Experience. Don't do it like they did at PS4. When I was invited to that event, it was a closed door event. It was cool and it was fun, but it was not for the fans. I think it would be really cool if you just did it as a massive keynote. That would be a big seller to PSX. PSX would be huge if people knew that at the keynote the first night or whatever we're going to show the console yeah and so, and then maybe the second and third day maybe we'll even have it playable on the floor or something like that i think that would be very cool give the fans something before you give the media something i just think that the media and even podcasters like us are waning in influence because you really want to go direct to the consumer and, yeah. that, and you have the opportunity to do that now well, what's going to hurt by doing that i think that actually is going to help that way you don't have the fucking snarky ass people like us critiquing everything and you have people that are just really excited no exactly play, i agree right you have people that are just pumped to be there it's a big risk i mean because if it sucks then people are going to say that too but i like the idea of everyone just getting a fair shake at it uh, of it at, at yeah. the same time i think that'll be neat chris let's talk about what we're playing talk to me about your games well i've been replaying control i'm playing it on the uh, pc just because i feel like my setup on ps4 is like i don't, I don't really know how to restart that game the way the menus work in that, I don't know. It feels weird. Restarting. Yeah, there's even like a mission structure, which I didn't know that you can like. Select yeah, missions. it's kind of confusing. So I just like restarted it on a on PC because I have it on Epic Game Store for free, by the way. Just letting you know. And I'm liking it again, even more so now because I think I kind of get it a little more. But we're obviously going to talk about that a little bit more on the Sacred Symbols Plus. Right. We'll save um, the control talk. But aside from that, I'm just playing like uh, Wipeout Omega Collection, nice. which is like a game that I haven't touched in a long time, and it's fun. It's Wipeout. You're not playing Gears. Well, I am, but like it's not a PlayStation game. Yeah, but John Ballas. I'm playing a bunch of shit on Xbox. I'm playing Splinter Cell, Gears, well, we and, and uh, that Blair Witch game. Oh, the Blair Witch game is supposed to be very good. Yeah, it's okay. John Ballas wrote into us and said, hey, guys, really enjoy the show on a weekly basis. Does Gears, Gears 5 releasing to what seems to be mostly great reviews epitomize what is missing from Sony's ecosystem? I know there's quite a disparity between critic and user reviews in most game releases, but I feel like Sony needs something in this genre, whether it be an FPS or a third person game. Thanks for making Tuesdays great again. And he says, keep pillaging those fetuses. I don't know that we ever <laughs> did we ever steal feet. I don't know if we ever inserted that into the Lord. Well, they're not our fetuses. No, I guess we I guess you in know? that case we are stealing them. So you I, I do want to talk about Gears 5 just briefly because it is yeah. a big release. It is. What do you think of the game? I, I really like it. They're doing some weird stuff. It's like it's it's linear, but there's also like two acts in the middle that are 
kind of open world and you could just do kind of whatever and it is kind of nice because it's not like that overbearing kind of hey here's like a lot of bullshit it really is kind of straightforward it's a fun game i like it it's uh i'm liking it more than i expected to which is kind of what happens i feel like every time a gears game comes out i forget how much i like it until i play it again it's one of those i like gears yeah but i like, I, I, but I like it a lot I'm, I'm really happy that, that the coalition seems to be doing a pretty good job with it feels good to play story's solid I saw a commercial for it during uh, football yesterday. So so they are advertising yeah. it. And as far as John's question, do, does Sony need something no, like this? No, I don't this? think so. I don't they, think so They either. already have third-person action games. What they need is like Ori stuff. Yeah. Like stuff like Ori or, and maybe like Halo, like a, for, like a solid FPS. But I think as far as third-person shooters go, I think, they, I think they're fine. Yeah, they have know? nothing third-person cover-based, which is... I mean, Uncharted is kind of, but it doesn't play the same way. Yeah, I don't know that Gears of War is something that Sony really needs, but I also wouldn't really be surprised if Gears of War made it to PlayStation. I really also wouldn't be surprised if that was like the tip of the spear of Xbox putting games on PlayStation in the future would be Gears of War. Do you remember the, the really convincing leak from years ago that someone made called Gears of War Redux, which was supposed to be a PS4 launch of the original Gears of War? And it was fake, but it was believable because this game is a, is a Microsoft first party game now, but it was actually a second party game for a really long time. And so... They own the IP, and you could have imagined a situation where it ended up on PlayStation. So yeah, I think I think you know I think Gears can find its way over, but I don't. I agree with Chris. I don't know that we really need something like that. Yeah, Chris, there's a lot of news to get into today, including a big piece of news that just broke right before we started recording. Number one, Capcom has officially revealed Project Resistance, the new Resident Evil game. We talked about this last week a little yeah. bit. The trailer appears to show off a Left 4 Dead style Resident Evil game where a team of friendlies fights off deadly zombies. Whether the game is online only remains to be seen, but it's clear that it's a multiplayer game first and foremost. It's slated to come to PlayStation 4, indicating that it's not a native next-gen game, and its release date is unknown, though you can likely expect to play it in 2020. Many are referencing 2003's slash 2004's, depending on where you are, Resident Evil Outbreak on PS2, which was multiplayer-centric, though it had single-player functionality too. Hopefully we'll hear more soon. Are you excited about this? Kind of. Yeah. Only because the trailer seems to imply that there is a player controllable Mr. X, which is really neat because I like games where you get to scare people. So it's asymmetric, probably. Yeah, it's asymmetric, it seems like. And I I, I dig it. I like I like Left 4 Dead as long as they can keep it as simple and approachable as Left 4 Dead was, because I think a lot of games since then have really tried to like, here's a skill tree, here's uh, upgrades, and it's like, it's really not necessary if the game is fun. Right. And I think Left 4 Dead proves that. I think a lot of old older games really prove that, quite frankly. And, you know, as long as they can get that right, I think it could be fun. I just wonder how the 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 control style of a game like that would work in a multiplayer setting, because it is kind of tankish still. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we it's at TGS. I think people are able to play it there. So we'll probably get hands on impressions of exactly what's going on with it. I'm guessing it'll come out at the same time that two remake came out last year, probably February, January. You think that that soon? That would be nice. I mean, this game was clearly in, in progress for a while. I guess it is a little silly to assume that they're going to do another remake, as we talked about last week. That was kind of a silly assumption. But I thought Resident Evil 8 would have been a possibility. But it seems like, if anything, it seems like we're just going to get more Resident Evil as Capcom explores this this universe again. Although I do want to say that they should be very careful because they did explore this franchise in many ways in the past and it didn't work out very well for it. That's true. So they need to they they need to not stray too far away from what Resident Evil is. And they're, they're at least they're naming it something else. It doesn't even have Resident Evil in the name. Yeah. Now. 
the game is called Project Resistance. The RE is highlighted in it. So it's clearly a Resident Evil game. But I like that they're keeping the name out of it. So yeah, I like it, too. At least people won't have those expectations. This is a big piece of news that I actually was surprised wasn't widely talked about, but I, I thought it was definitely one of the, this was the biggest piece of news, in my opinion, before the Resident Evil thing. Number two, in a surprise move, Tango Gameworks developed horror game Ghostwire Tokyo has lost its creative director. Word comes by way of Akumi Nakamura herself, who announced the move on Twitter. Her post reads, quote, and it's broken in English. She's Japanese, so I'm reading it as it is. After nine years as creative director and art director at Tango and Zenimax, Zenimax is the company that owns Bethesda, I felt here is one of the ends of the journeys. I learned from the talented people I've worked with and I respect, end quote. Interestingly, she then linked to her LinkedIn profile seeking future collaboration. This comes as a bit of a shock since games very rarely lose their creative directors mid-development, especially in the AAA space, and particularly if the game is going to be any good. This also clearly wasn't planned. Bethesda, the publisher that owns Tango and is publishing Ghostwire Tokyo, went out of its way to showcase Nakamura at E3, having Tango's founder and famed horror game developer Shinji Mikami introduce her on stage during their E3 showcase and allowing her to introduce her game. This raises serious questions as to the health of the project and why Nakamura would leave barely three months after she made a splash at E3. Mark Zebro Jr. wrote into us and said, Hello, Colin and Chris. With the recent departure of Ghostwire Tokyo's developer, Akumi Nakamura, does this smell disaster for the... Does this, he says smell, but I think he meant spell. <laughs> disaster for the game over at Tango, and what could possibly cause her to leave this early in the game's development? Love to know your thoughts. Thank you, and have a nice day. This is a big piece of news. This is a huge surprise. This happened... Yeah. I think late at night or on a weekend or something where a lot of people weren't talking about it, but this wasn't planned from multiple angles. You can tell that. Yeah. I wonder what you think of this. I mean, it's depressing. It sucks. She was really great. She was like the, the only thing there that wasn't Doom Eternal. That was good. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very odd, especially because like how far away is that game really? We don't like, know. Do we know? We don't it, know. It was the first time we saw it, so it might be just like super early. Yeah, it, maybe it's, it, it's further away than it was. Whatever, yeah, however yeah. further away, far it is. But it? yeah, it, it is weird. Maybe um, I don't know where where is Tango Gameworks? Is that a Japan? Is that, that is Japan. I'm baffled. It's very weird. It's, I was gonna say like if it's if it's here, maybe like I don't know, maybe there was like communication problems or something. But like if it's in Japan, I, I I really don't I really don't understand. Yeah, Tango is Bethesda's only Japanese studio, and for people that out there, I obviously know they made the Evil Within and the Evil Within Two, and were founded by Mikami, who was the guy behind original Resident Evil games. And so I'm a little confused by this from multiple angles. Number one, she is basically announcing it on Twitter, but also putting out a LinkedIn profile. In other words, like she has no work right now. Yeah. So so she wasn't like picked up by another studio right. and she wasn't she didn't defect or anything. Seems like she I mean, there's only two possibilities. Either she quit or she was fired. Yeah. And I don't know that the firing thing makes any sense, because what could have happened in the last 90 days that they would have went from. This woman is going to be a, the face of Tango for this game. She's going to introduce it. We're going to let her have open interviews and all this kind of stuff. And then 90 days later, not even, she leaves the studio. And so, so there's a lot of theories out there that this has to do with Bethesda's influence, increasing influence over its studios and, and putting things in the games and microtransactions and all sorts of shit. And I'm like, I don't know that I really believe that's why she left. I, I don't know that we're ever going to really know the story. And I think we have to be patient for Japanese journalists to get that story out there yeah. if they ever do. But it's very strange and and you should be worried about the game. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't seem that far fetched to me that it would be like Bethesda overreach or at least Zenimax overreach. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at that. That she basically said like, no, I don't want this in the game. They said we're putting these things in the game and she quit. I mean, that's that's entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. I mean, there's microtransactions in what? 76. There's microtransactions in... 
Rage, if I remember. Yeah, I think Rage has microtransactions in the most recent thing they put out, too. I'm Young pretty Blood? sure Youngblood has some microtransactions. It wouldn't surprise me if she was like, I don't want to really do that. But it's all speculation. Yeah. You know, like, who the hell knows? It's all speculative. She could have left for any number but of that reasons. But that wouldn't surprise me if that was the reason. It is a strange tale, to be sure. And we didn't really have a date on the game yet, but I just really would love to know what Bethesda, you know, Pete Hines and those guys think about it right now, because this throws that that stuff into chaos. Now, does Mikami have to come in and be the creative director? And, and for people that don't know, the creative director's role in video game development is usually at the top of the is at the apex of the triangle. Now, there are some games that have game develop or game directors and creative directors. For instance, The Last of Us was made by, you know, a game director. And then Neil Druckmann was the creative director. And I totally forgot, by the way, I forgot to talk about the games I was playing. I'll do that in a second because The Last of Us is one of those. But there is a lot of skepticism now injected into this project. I was really excited about it because it was yeah. different. It was not the evil within. And that was pretty cool. And it was a horror game that took place in Japan. And yeah, that looked neat. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. And maybe Bethesda will have some sort of statement on it. But I was even surprised that a lot of outlets didn't even report it. Big news. It's yeah. Very big news. So something to keep an eye on. And yeah, I totally spaced before. I didn't talk about the games I was playing. Uh, the Last of Us. I need to talk about this real yeah. quick. I played through The Last of Us front to front to uh, back on PS3 on hard. And I got all the collectibles and the conversations and all that kind of stuff out of the way. And it, it just, it's such a fine game. It holds up so very well. And I, I still highly recommend it. People were asking why I didn't play the PS4 version. It's because I already had the online trophies on the PS3 version. And I'd like to get the platinum there. So eventually one day. And we're going to do a knockback episode on The Last of Us this fall, my brother and I. So that's why I was playing it again. Highly recommended. Still holds up these six years later. River City Girls is awesome. It's just a brawler. We're going to do a let's play on it. Yeah. So I'll leave that conversation for then. I do want to bring up. I'm so sorry that I didn't bring this up earlier in a more congruent way, because there is something kind of significant to talk about. Habroxia is another game that I was playing, and it's on PS4 and Vita. It's made by this... Uh, Canadian developer, he has a development studio that's basically just him and some freelancers called Lilimo. And Herboxia, I platinumed on Vita and I platinumed on PS4, is a almost Life Force slash Salamander inspired, Konami inspired shooter with upgrades. And it's really well done. It's, right. it's super well done and I really like it. Now, I have to be very clear about something. And this is, we're going to start laying the seed, setting the seeds for this, as it were. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Lily Moe and my friend Barry over there that made this game is making a sacred symbols game. Actually, we're probably making two of them. Oh, and we're not going to talk much more about them right now. I'm writing them and uh, <laughs> they're in development or whatever. One of them is pretty close. You know, we'll, we'll, maybe maybe we'll come out this year. We're not. I'm just bringing that up because we have a conflict of interest right now with uh, Lily Mo and and Herboxia and all these kinds of games. I don't get anything from Herboxia selling any copies. I don't own any part of the game, but for our Sacred Symbols games, I do. And so I just wanted to bring that up. That yeah. is a conflict of interest. It is yeah, now a go. massive conflict of interest. So that's good. Yeah, we'll have more information on Sacred Symbol stuff in the future, but you'll be playing those hopefully at least one of them pretty soon. I, yeah. I hope. How exciting. All right, let's get back to the questions, though. Right. Or I'm sorry, let's go back to the news, rather. That's what I meant. Number three, a couple of classic Star Wars games are coming to PlayStation 4 in just a couple of weeks and were silently revealed by American developer slash publisher Aspire on StarWars.com. The two games in question are Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Jedi Outcast was developed by Raven, the studio now owned by Activision that works on Call of Duty year in and year out, and came to PC, GameCube, and Xbox in 2002. Its PS4 port will come out on September 24th and will mark the very first time the game has ever been available on a PlayStation platform. 
Jedi Academy, on the other hand, was also developed by Raven, came out in 2003 and also came to PC and Xbox, though it lacked both a GameCube port and a PlayStation port. The PS4 version of the game will come at some point early in 2020, and likewise is the first time the game will be playable on PlayStation hardware. Both games emphasize both single player and multiplayer modes, and all will return in the PS4 port. So apparently you'll even be able to play those games in multiplayer on PS4. I had never played those games, as far as I remember, so I'm excited to, to do so. Yeah, me neither. I was never that big into Star Wars. It's really like, like a handful of games that I played. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it never came to PlayStation, either of them. I didn't yeah. realize that those were basically Xbox games. Weird. Didn't know that. Number four, PlayStation has revealed slick new versions of 10 of its beloved classic PS4 exclusives, and though the games remain unchanged, the game's covers and cases sure don't. The only on PlayStation brands makeover is UK exclusive, according to the PlayStation UK Twitter account, and gives players access to the following games with artsy new covers if bought at retail. Ratchet and Clank, The Last Guardian, Uncharted 4, Spider-Man, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, The Last of Us Remastered, Bloodborne, Shadow of the Colossus Remastered, and The Wipeout Collection. Pricing appears to be determined by which game in question you'd like, and if you live outside of the UK, it appears that you'll have to import whatever you want if you're interested, though it's entirely possible that the so-called exclusive is eventually made available elsewhere. Nolan Potter wrote into us, Nolan Potter. Nolan Potter. What do you guys think of this new artwork for the only on PlayStation series from our friends in the UK? I personally find the minimalistic designs to be sexy as hell. Reminds me of the Resistance 3 reverse cover art. God, I want a remaster of those games, Insomniac, please. <laughs> Did you see the art? Yeah. It looks really great. I really like I like the, the silhouetted kind of minimalist style for a lot of this shit. It reminds me of... Um uh, the Bioshock Infinite alternate cover, which wasn't quite like silhouetted and like minimalist in that way, but it was very like artsy and very, you know, shadowy and very bright in the negative spaces. Looks really cool. And I, uh, I, I dig it. I really like it. It's yeah. sad that it's UK exclusive because those are really, yeah, I'm a little those are really fine it. boxes. I'm a little confused by that. Now, remember, PlayStation 4 is region free. So if you wanted to buy those yeah. games, you can play them on your US or whatever PlayStation. But that does suck that they are relegated to that territory, that very important territory for PlayStation, a huge territory for PlayStation. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm, and I, I agree, actually, with with uh, Mr. Potter here. It did remind me a lot of Ollie Moss's 2011 Resistance cover. It, it certainly did. Mm. Very much so. Very much in that same spirit. So keep an eye out for those. Number five, quirky PlayStation 4 exclusive Concrete Genie has officially gone gold, meaning that the development team has finished core development and the game has been submitted for certification and publishing. Word comes by way of the official Twitter account of Pixelopus, the Sony incubated team behind the game. Concrete Genie is due out on PS4 on October 8th and is the second game for Pixelopus. In 2014, the studio released Entwined on PS4 as well as Vita and PS3. I think Concrete Genie looks really cool, whether yeah. it's worth this long incubation period. How long, is it, remains uh, to be seen. how long was it in development for? At least four years. Yeah. yeah, probably more. Looks cool, though. I mean, I like the style of it. I do, too. Entwine came out during E3 in 2014, I think. So it is now we are now five plus years beyond that point. Yeah, it's been a minute. Number six, High Res Studios has revealed a new multiplayer shooter. It's called Rogue Company, and it's due out on PlayStation 4 as well as other platforms at an undetermined point in 2020. High Res Studios is an American studio best known for its well-liked battle royale game Realm Royale, and it was previously known for multiplayer-centric games like 2012's Tribes Ascend, 2015's Smite, and 2018's Paladins. Little else is known about it other than that it seems to be going the hero shooter route with so-called rogues for players to choose from. Interestingly, the description, and this is the best part, interestingly, the description text accompanying the game's reveal trailer on YouTube doesn't say that it's coming to be on PlayStation 4, rather it simply says PlayStation. So that's kind of interesting. And it says Xbox as well. It doesn't say Xbox One. Huh. So it indicates it's a cross-gen game. Yeah. We'll see. 
Number seven, as they do each month, Sony has revealed the top selling games sold digitally on PlayStation Network this time for the month of August 2019. The best selling digital sold, digitally sold games on PS4 for the month were in order Madden NFL 20, Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto 5, Spider-Man, Rainbow Six Siege, Remnant from the Ashes, Black Desert, PUBG, Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare 2 and Rocket League. Other notable games in the top 20 include No Man's Sky at 15 and Man of Medan or Madden. I, don't, I still don't know how to say it at 20. The top 10 best-selling digitally sold PSVR games for the month were, in order, Beat Saber, Super Hot VR, Job Simulator, Five Nights at Freddy's VR, Help Wanted, PlayStation VR World, Vacation Simulator, Arizona Sunshine, Blood and Truth, Creed Rise to Glory, and Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. Fortnite and Apex Legends were the biggest free-to-play games of the month, and Fortnite, GTA Online, and Mortal Kombat 11 dominated the DLC charts. Nothing too surprising nope, in that one. Not at all. Same games, <laughs> different month. Number eight. CD Projekt Red's upcoming heavily anticipated RPG Cyberpunk 2077 is officially getting multiplayer functionality, though the exact nature of what's planned is still unknown. Word comes by way of the Polish developer's official Twitter feed, which said across two tweets, quote, until now, the only thing we said about multi was that it was an R&D. As we're getting closer to launching single player Cyberpunk 2077 in April of 2020, we'd like to confirm that multiplayer is in the works. If you feel like lending us your skills, apply. The plan for now is to deliver Cyberpunk 2077 in April, then follow up with free DLC and single player content. And once we're done, invite you for some multiplayer action, end quote. Since the studio is actively hiring for the team that's making Cyberpunk 2077's multiplayer, it's safe to assume it's far down the road. And CD Projekt's tweet makes that clear enough. Chris, yeah. what do you think? That's interesting because I originally thought it would, they were going to do like a Dark Souls kind of multiplayer route where, you know, people would just kind of leave messages in the world and right. you would just kind of hump, happen upon them. I think that'd be a cool way to do Cyberpunk, actually. But this seems to indicate that it's possibly cooperative or possibly like competitive pvp which is kind of wild it's interesting yeah and it's interesting that they don't really know what it is and that they're hiring for it so maybe it's a it's still undetermined yeah what it might be that's kind of exciting actually just the premise of it like i, I like that they're focusing on the single player and that's going to be out as a as its own thing first with like dlc down the line and then they're going to do this kind of like how i think gta or like uh, red dead did it i think that's kind of a smart way to do it Especially when you're doing like a single player centric game like that. I can't take umbrage with it. No. Yeah. Because I know development is looked at as like a pie, you know, and you take little slices of it and those are the resources. But it seems like the entire pie is already working on Cyberpunk and they're just baking another pie. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's totally great. There's really nothing to be upset about with this. I would be upset if you heard that they're, you know, delaying the game for this or they're pulling resources to make this. That would be different. But that's not the case. Yeah. It's very cool. Number nine, it looks like Remedy Entertainment's popular new third-person action shooter control is getting story DLC, at least if information buried in the PC version of the game is any indication. IGN relays word of a YouTube video by creator Man Fight Dragon that shows an interesting discovery in some hidden in-game mission lists. The list of missions shows much of what we're familiar with in the core game, but also shows something titled in part Marshall with the term DLC tagged at the end. This is likely precisely what it seems. Control single-player DLC set for a future announcement and reveal by publisher 505 Games that will focus on an in-game NPC named Marshall. To avoid spoilers, we'll leave it there. But it's worth noting that nothing has been confirmed yet, so consider this well-founded speculation for now. So I don't think that's... There is a character named Marshall. It seems like the DLC will be about Marshall. That's not really spoiling yeah. the, anything in the game for you in case you haven't played it yet. And even if you have played it, you don't know what it's about. <laughs> Number 10. Publisher Tecmo Koei has revealed a new JRPG based on a popular Japanese manga series, and it'll be coming to Western PS4s at some point in 2020. The game is called Fairy Tale, and that's with... 
T-A-I-L, like a tail on an animal, which is also the name of the manga on which it's based. The manga ran across 63 volumes from 2006 until 2017 and found a sizable audience outside of Japan and in languages other than Japanese. This fairy tale game won't be the first, however. A trilogy of Konami-developed action games came to Japanese PSPs in 2010, 2011, and 2012, and there were two Nintendo DS fighting games, too. This fairy tale game is the first one to explore the RPG genre, however, and is being developed by Tecmo Koei-owned studio Gust, best known for its many, many Atelier games, and more recently, the Night of Azure series. My buddy that works at Tecmo Koei PR actually messaged me about this because I think they're pretty excited about this, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about it here. Yeah, cool, cool. Never heard about it. It's probably really fucking nerdy. <laughs> really I know nerdy. I've seen, like, clips of Fairy Tale, and uh, I can't. I can't with it. I can't with it. Exciting for you guys, though, I guess. <laughs> yeah, excited for all you weebs out there. <laughs> By the way, I, I w- if you want to see something disturbing, go to Gust's wiki page. It's Gust Limited LTD. Just go Gust LTD wiki in, in Google and, and click on it. Then look at all the games they developed. Holy moly. Is it a scary amount? It's just all Atelier games. Just all Atelier games. I don't know how they make all of these games. And I also didn't know Tecmo Koei owned them, but they've owned them actually for several years. That slipped by the old Colin radar at some point. You learn something new every Monday. Every Monday. I, I, I do learn something new every Monday. Number 11, we already knew that Squaresoft's famous unreleased in the West Mana game Trials of Mana would be coming to PlayStation 4. Now we have a release date. The remade Trials of Mana comes to PS4 on April 24th of 2020 alongside a PC release. The game has already come to Switch as part of the collection of Mana, which itself isn't available on PS4. The original Trials action RPG called Seiken Densetsu 3 in Japan originally came to Super Famicom in September of 1995. And until the aforementioned collection of Mana, it never saw the light of day anywhere else in Japan or in the West. The first two Seiken Setsu games did get Western releases rather in the 90s, however, in the form of Game Boy's Final Fantasy Adventure, launched in 1991, and Super Nintendo's Secret of Mana, launched in 1993. Well, looks pretty good. I gotta say, looks pretty good. I did play a little bit of Secret of Mana. Very good when game. I was a kid. Overrated? Yes. A little bit. A little, a little Maybe overrated. Maybe just a tad. I was more of a Secret of Evermore kind of person myself. Yeah. For I could any, see that. For any of you fucking dorks. Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Secret of Evermore was a Squaresoft published game that was actually developed by, I think, a somewhat Japanese team, but in the U.S. So actually right. similar to Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog was uh, made in the United States as well. I was more of a Neversoft person. You were more of a Neversoft, a Tony Hawk's pro skater kind of person. Mm-hmm. Number 12. The long-rumored Plants vs. Zombies game that recently went into a widely leaked private alpha has been officially released, kinda. Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville is the name of the game, and it appears to be a successor in all but name to PopCap's two Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare titles, which came to PS4 and elsewhere in 2014 and 2016, respectively. The game launches in its full form in mid-October, on October 18th, to be be precise, but you can plunk down $29.99 right now for the so-called Founders Edition, and basically play major portions of the game ahead of time released across six weeks. It's important to note that you have to commit to the Founders Edition by the end of September, even if you want to play the content released between the beginning of October and October 18th. It's really actually quite clever, but also confusing. Yeah. I was looking at the chart they made. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it makes sense when you can see it, like, you know, illustrated. But that's a man, those words put together are like, what? Basically, as I understand it, (laughs) there are six weeks between now and its release. Yeah. And every week they're going to release new stuff and I think take other stuff out. And they're just testing six different things. But if you buy it, you can't buy it between October 1st and October 18th, apparently. So you have to commit early to get that access. I don't, you know, whatever. Okay. It's kind of similar to Dreams in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Weird. Probably better than Dreams. What a weird time to release something like that also. I agree. It is very weird. I don't know what you're doing with that one. 
Number 13. Number 13. Publisher Electronic Arts holds a new record, and it's probably not one they're very proud of. Website Kotaku reports on a Reddit thread that points out an interesting entry in the newest edition of the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> the most downvoted comment on Reddit. According to the Guinness organization, EA's 2018 Reddit post in response to complaints about unlockable characters in Star Wars Battlefront 2 has a staggering 683,000 downvotes, indeed making it the most downvoted comment in Reddit history. Congratulations to EA. I thought that was a funny one. That's amazing. People are too hard on EA. I keep saying that, but that was a, that's still a funny one. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely a funny one. I love that. Number 14, the final wrap-up. Wrap-up. The PlayStation blog has revealed that side-scroller Ukulele and the Impossible Layer is coming to PlayStation 4 on October 8th. It's a side-scroller? Yep. It's okay. a side-scroller. The first ukulele, for people that don't know, was made by ex-Rare employees and was supposed to be basically a 3D collectathon. It wasn't very good. Yeah, it's good. like a Banjo-Kazooie uh, spiritual successor kind oh, of Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Developer Matt Makes Games has revealed that beloved 2D puzzle side-scroller Celeste is getting free DLC to wrap up the game's universe called Chapter 9, available right now, and free to download on any Celeste-playing console you choose. It's also worth noting that they've changed their name. Uh, Matt Makes Games is no longer called that. So you'll remember that Towerfall and Celeste were made under that banner. They now have a new name. I can't remember what it is, but there's five of them. And they got a new... Uh, Celeste sold something like almost a million copies. So that's great. Those guys are loaded, which yeah. is great. It's a great game. It is. Very hard. Zombie Killing PS4 exclusive Days Gone is getting a free New Game Plus mode along with new trophies and some other new small features beginning on September 13th. Website Push Square reports that Adventure Game Return of the Oprah Din is coming to PS4 at a still an unannounced point later in 2019. And that turn-based strategy game Rebel Cops is coming to PS4 on September 17th. That game sounds and looks cool. You guys should look into it. THQ Nordic, in case you're curious. Of course. Website Gamatsu reports that yet another River City Ransom game has been announced by Japanese developer slash publisher Arc System Works. The game is called Stay Cool Kobayashi-san, a River City Ransom story, and is coming to PS4 and elsewhere this fall in Japan, though no Western release has yet been confirmed. And finally, publisher Square Enix has revealed that its previously announced remaster of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles will come to PS4 on January 23rd, early next year. That's all for the news, Chris. Well... I know you're very excited specifically about Return of the Oberdin. Oh, yeah. I heard that was great, actually. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. Rebel Cops looks super cool. It's like you play as cops in a turn-based strategy game. It fucking sounds great. That's kind of that. neat, yeah. Love that. Sounds really neat. Chris, let's get into the new game releases. I did do the math to see if you would encounter some of these good ones, and I don't think you're going to, actually. Yeah, I so. think I'm... I think, uh, did you think do the math yourself? I did. I oh, did okay. as well. I always, so I, you I always the, do the uh, math. So you missed the or whatever game? Yeah, thank God. All right. All right. Take, <laughs> take us away. Agatha Knife comes to PS4. Join Agatha, believe in carnivorism, embark on this twisted adventure with Agatha, a child torn between her love for eating meat and her friendship with animals. I like the premise of this. Yeah, it sounds neat. It's kind of it's cool. It's a cool name too, Agatha Knife is a cool name. Battle Wake comes to PSVR. There be high seas mayhem ahead in Battle Wake, a rip-roaring pirate combat game exclusively for VR. Become four mythical pirate lords, captain a massive upgradable battle-ready ship, and wield ancient powers. I was excited to hear you say that. Varby High Seas Varby Mayhem. High Seas Mayhem. Blasphemous comes to PS4. Blasphemous is a punishing action platformer that combines the fast-paced, skilled combat of a hack-and-slash game with a deep and evocative narrative core. Delivered through uh, exploration of har... Wow, my God. Holy moly. Delivered through exploration of huge universe <laughs> comprised of nonlinear levels. Chris is Jesus having a Christ. fucking... That's a definite stroke moment for Chris. It is a definite stroke moment. I'm having more of those. It's really fun. I'm just waiting for the stroke to take me, to be about perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Borderlands 3 comes to PS4. Ooh. 
The original shooter looter returns. I hate that fucking term. It is. It's what it is. Packing bazillions of guns and a and a mayhem fueled adventure. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new vault hunters. Play solo or with friends to take on insane enemies. Score loads of loot and save your home from the most ruthless cult leaders in the galaxy. Really looking forward to playing it. Really, really looking forward to it. Very excited. And I think it's going to be available a little earlier than intended. Did you see that thing? Where they're going to start rolling it out, I think, on the 11th or something like that. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I could yeah, people have been up. doing that lately. I think Gears was like that, too. Gears is not technically out yet. Oh, really? Yeah, it comes out on like the 11th or like something like that. Oh, everyone's playing it. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. I think it might be on Game Pass or something like that. Yeah, it's like on that. Game Pass. It's like early or something. Very smart. Caravan Stories comes to PS4. Live for the journey. Do you ever find yourself with a similar feeling of wanderlust? Wanderlust? Yeah, I, I don't know. That that, word. I don't. Yeah, I don't. What does that mean? I don't know. Does that, I've, I'm, I'm gonna look it, it up. I've seen it fairly consistently, but I hate it. I'm gonna look it up. Vast open prairies, mystical forests, as far as the eye can see, barren lands covered in rocky outcroppings. Caravan Stories is a free-to-play MMORPG where you adventure in an expansive world with a large cast of allies. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty good. It was. It was delayed a lot. Yeah, if you guys recall, but it's finally on PS4. Wanderlust is a noun. And it means a strong desire to travel. So it's it's basically pretty literal. Yeah. It's... The lust to wander. Wow. I definitely don't have that. I have sedentary lust. I was about to say the same. Sedentary <laughs> lust. I have five guys lust. Distraint Deluxe Edition comes to PS4 and Vita. Distraint Deluxe Edition is a 2D psychological horror adventure game that tells the story of Price, a young man who seizes an old woman's apartment. After seizing her home, his humanity is now gone. So begins his tale of regrets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nothing like a tale of regrets. Ellen comes to PS4. Help young investigator James uncover the dark truth behind the murder of the Smiths and their missing daughter, Ellen, in this thrilling 2D pixel horror game. If you don't believe in paranormal events, meet the people from White Hill. The Smiths. The Smiths. James and the Smiths. Greedfall comes to PS4. This game looks fucking awesome. Have you seen anything about this game? I've heard about it. This game looks dope. I haven't seen with my eyes. Explore what it is. uncharted new lands as you set foot on a remote island seeping with magic and filled with riches, lost secrets, and fantastic creatures. With diplomacy, deception, and force, become part of a living, evolving world. Influence its course and shape your story. So it's basically a colonial era, open world, kind of like Dark Souls ish, Bloodborne ish kind of game meets this open world kind of mantra that we now live in. It looks fucking cool as shit. It sounds kind of neat. I'll look it up. Yeah, it looks neat. I don't know. I want to be clear. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> yeah, it just looks cool. Just like when I said the forest looked good. Yeah. And then ended up being horrifying in a bad way. <laughs> not, not, by the way, did you see the trailer? I got to show you this afterwards for Flowers or Dead or whatever that, that game is called. No, I haven't seen the trailer for it. <laughs> Everyone go look that trailer up as well. Flowers or Dead, uh, the trailer yeah, for it? Yeah. Yeah, the Holy one we read last week. moly. It's Life of Black Tiger level. It's fucking horrifying. Oh. Horrible. I can't wait for you to see it. All right. I'm excited to see it. Hero Express comes to PS4. Drive across the globe as the best delivery man in the world. <laughs> cool. <laughs> will you be able to reach the end of each track without dying? In Hero Express, your skills will be put to the test against this fun, colorful world as you challenge 11 different tracks with as many different crazy vehicles. See, I like that idea, but I don't like that it's on track. So it would be cool if it was like a smaller driving open world. Very arcadey, kind of like Crazy Taxi. Aren't we sick of open world, though? Isn't we, that are, the general but we are, but we are. But I guess, yeah, you're right. I should I should rephrase, though. I don't mean an open world where you're getting quests and all this kind of stuff. I literally mean it like Crazy Taxi. Right? Oh, like yeah, it's yeah. just a map. Like an arena. Right. An arena. Yeah. Very well put. Cool. That'd be cool, actually. Yeah. Jigsaw Zen comes to PS4. 
Find your zen with over 100 beautiful puzzles, including paintings, digital art, anime, and many more categories. They already ruined it with the anime thing. Solve puzzles <laughs> as complex as you desire from 28 to 510 pieces. A compelling soundtrack, slideshow mode, and many puzzle options allow you to customize your experience. Earn trophies as you complete puzzles. Hey, we I like some of these casual games. We were talking about the Palgi games, and I'm thinking about downloading them on Vita just because they it's like they're fun little crossword puzzles and word games. Probably good for the brain. Probably, yeah. Probably good for the brain. It's good to get your brain active. <sighs> I'll tell you. NASCAR Heat 4 comes to PS4. NASCAR Heat 4 is the official video game of NASCAR. Hmm. Looking and sounding better than ever with updated user interface, (laughs) graphics, and engine audio. Race across 38 tracks in all three NASCAR National Series. Plus the fan favorite Extreme Dirt Tour. Wow. What's so funny about that to you? I don't know. Just like the idea of like there being an official kind of NASCAR game, which I I just kind of thought they're... Was already, you know. Yeah, several. I think I, they just don't release them yearly, which I, which I actually kind of, I don't think they do, which I actually kind of respect. NASCAR is huge. Uh, you ever go to a NASCAR race? Of course, Colin. No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, ever, no, no, absolutely not. I went to one. I can't. I can't imagine. Like, where where do they even do that? Mostly in the south. I think there are only one or two tracks in the north, and I went to one in New Hampshire. There's one of the NASCAR tracks. And my friend, when I was growing up, his parents were really into it. So we just drove and went to it. It was really interesting. But what I remember about it the most was that they, the parents were somehow, for some reason, fine with us not having ear protection. You can't go to these things without It's ear- loud as hell, isn't Dude, it? Dude, it is fucking nuts how loud it is. Like, it is wild that anyone would go to these things without massive noise-canceling headphones on their heads. It is, it's like... <laughs> That's a, that was my biggest takeaway. Maybe it's it. something that's maybe it says something about me. But the most interesting thing about NASCAR to me is the the possibility of there being an insane wreck. Oh, definitely. I think that's exciting to a lot of people. Yeah. Is that why people go? You think? I don't think that's why a lot. Of, I think there are some people that like that. But I think I don't really understand because it's just like because sh- it's just really there's a lot of strategy in it, which I I understand. And I'm, I'm sure there is. Should yeah. talk it or whatever. There, like you're going 500 laps, for instance, in the big race or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it, what I couldn't it? do it. No, but you have to like get off and change your tires and you get lapped and sometimes people are like three or four laps behind, but you keep going and then they have to get off and then you start like there's like a little bit of a strategy there. Like your pit crew is really important and your equipment, Mm -hmm. you know, your car sponsorship. Like I think there's like a bunch of different big auto manufacturers that make these cars custom for these people. So there's a lot of cool stuff involved in it, but it's just like way. Every time I think of NASCAR, I think of the hitman level where you get to tamper with a, a driver's car. That's still one of the coolest track ideas ever. I loved that. Like that was the first one in Hitman 2. They showed that yeah. first. I, I thought that was really neat. Love it. This one is the shortest description I've ever seen for a game. Yeah. Next Gen Sandbox comes to PS4. Create your own dynamic game world with this professional editor. That's it. Sounds like dreams. Sound that First of all, that write-up is a lot better than half of the write-ups that are a paragraph. Just wanted to throw that out. <laughs> yeah, it actually explains what it is. NHL 20 comes to PS4. In NHL 20, your favorite NHL stars now look and feel more authentic with new signature shots and over 45 new shot types that make every attack a threat. A new broadcast package uh, celebrates your biggest plays as you take on all new game modes, including the new winner-take-all eliminator mode. Cool. Sure, it's great. I don't play the NHL games anymore, but I used to every year. They're always fun. Pro Evolution Soccer 2020 comes to PS4. Experience unparalleled realism and authenticity in this year's definitive football game, PES 2020. Take command of the ball like never before with new first touch techniques and finely tuned ball physics. Whoa. Pick a ball sli- physics? <laughs> pick a side and join forces with newcomers and veterans alike. That, of course, is Konami's long-running FIFA competition. Yeah, that's the only soccer game I know of that isn't FIFA. There are some people that really, really prefer that, but I don't think that there are many. Yeah. Because FIFA is like one of the best-selling games in the world. 
Yeah. Real fishing road trip adventure comes to PS4. Grab your rod, reel, Ooh. and adventurous spirit as you join three friends on a summer road trip to remember. <laughs> Visit a variety of fishing spots from deep sea fishing to freshwater stream fishing. Upgrade skills and abilities and craft rods, reels, and lures as you and the gang track down and try to catch the big one. Are you a, uh, not a fishing video game fan, but do you like fishing in, re- in the real world? I've never been. Fi- I think I went fishing once. Yeah, me too. Just and I, I was miserable. It's not for me. I don't get it. I don't like as a, as a monkey, as a primate, mm. being surrounded by water on something that is just v- kind of vaguely on top of it. You know what I mean? A boat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a like I went kayaking once, and I was like, "I'm gonna die." This whole time, I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna be a dead man." Kayaking is a big Long Island event. It's uh, and fishing is too, but yeah, I, yeah. I I'm the worst Long Islander ever because I hate seafood. You know, I I used to go crabbing, which is a big Long Island thing, but yeah, I would yeah, yeah. sell the crabs. There's something kind of morbid about it too because it's just like oh, you just you know jam a knife through a fish's lips, pick it up, look at it a little bit, inspire the fear of God, and it's. Very short attention span, yeah. and then throw it back a wounded mess. <laughs> like, there's something weird about it. Like, unless you're going to eat it, I guess, you know? I do appreciate, I'm sure that all fishermen are like this, but there are, like, rules of the sea where they do seem to respect, like, this fish isn't big enough, this is not, yeah, this yeah. is an illegal fish or whatever to capture, sharks and everything. I was watching a show on Netflix where they a fisherman accidentally caught a shark or whatever, and they, they let, you know, like a small shark, but they they... They let it go. It's very interesting and dynamic, but it was just not not for me. But I only asked because some people really like my aunt is really into fishing. She loves can it. you imagine you go to like a like a food truck or something? You get like a, a burrito and then like a knife lunges up into your lips and like drags you into the sky. It's pretty cruel. <laughs> Must be. I mean, the fish don't feel anything, but Who still, knows? like just like the thought of it, like the, there's something that I feel empathy towards, even though I'm very well aware that this thing is barely a creature of any consequence. Global warming is going to make the oceans more prevalent as we move forward. Yeah. But hopefully the earth gets so hot that the the ocean eventually boils away. And then we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that'd be the ultimate. That's, that's, the secret, that's the secret solution. Make it so hot that it bypasses the melting stage. <laughs> and it just it, boils, it boils all the ice it, away. It just, eva- it just evaporates <laughs> all the water, generally speaking. We don't have to worry about fish anymore. We must make the oceans hot very quick. Where's my... What are you looking for? Are you losing my water? Oh, my God. Because I have no attention span. I was excited, though, with real fishing where I said, grab your rod. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. And grab your rod, an adventurous spirit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, you're talking about fishing. Never mind. <laughs> Super Dodgeball Beats comes to PS4. You're invited to the craziest dodgeball contest ever. Get your groove on with Super Dodgeball Beats, the world's most intense rhythm sports game. Take part in insanely cool dodgeball games played to the rhythm of 18 original music tracks. Tap to the beat with perfect timing and conquer your rivals in style. There's nothing else like it. I fucking love dodgeball, actually. Me too. The game? Yeah, the actual playing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's very fun. It's just, it's just like people, a bunch of people trying to matrix, you know? Yeah. Do like, ooh, look at me, I'm dodging. It's great. It's a great game. It's fun. I think they don't play it. Like I was, my brother, I think was the one telling me like, they don't really play it anymore. No, because it's too violent. Yeah. But football's allowed. Stupid fucking kids. Are you kids. kidding? Are you serious? These soft ass kids. These soft ass kids that can tackle each other and, and give each other concussions can't peg each other with like the softest balls I've ever seen. Not in my what? day, Chris. Whatever, man. The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive Series comes to PS4. Play the acclaimed series that set the benchmark for storytelling in games. Based on Robert Kirkman's award-winning comic book, The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, the Telltale Definitive uh, series, contains all four seasons, 400 days... 
That was the one that was episode, the, like, right? the, Between one and two, yeah. I think. And The Walking Dead Michonne, which includes over 50 hours of gameplay across 23 unique episodes. Yeah, I think 400 Days was between one and two, and Michonne yeah. was between two and three. That was like the lead-in. I only played season one, and I was actually, when I saw this, I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy this. And then I looked at the trophy list. Now, each season had its own platinum, and, and this re-release thing only has one platinum trophy. So I'm like, no, no, no. Can't be doing that. Sorry no. about that. This is the one I hoped Chris got to read, but he didn't. Yudawara Mono Zan comes to PS4. Christ. <laughs> Unveil a lost legend in a new light with Yudawara Mono Zan. This action-packed brawler is a reimagination of the story of Haku, a man with no memories, and the great conflict that consumes the land he calls home. Venture through dynamic battlefields, unleash devastating special moves, and experience a grand tale of war and destiny. WRC 8... FIA World Rally Championship comes to PS4, the most complete and authentic official WRC simulation yet. Uh, new new physics for all surfaces, a completely redesigned career mode, dynamic weather conditions, 50 teams, 14 countries, 100 tracks, weekly challenges, and an esports mode. Interesting. What the hell is this? World Rally Championship, I think. Oh, is what right, it's right, right. I think that's what it's what it is. Now, here's an interesting thing for our PlayStation nerds out there. WRC was originally, as I remember developed by either Sony Liverpool or or Evolution or maybe both of them. So Sony bought, I think, those studios and had that internally for a while. Because as I recall, WRC were PlayStation 2 exclusives back in the day. And then I think, God, I'm trying to think here. It's been a minute. Yeah, I'm trying. But those were basically PlayStation exclusives for a while. So that's the thing. Well, anyway, those are the games. Yeah, so as far as the games that are coming out this, uh, this week that are interesting... Borderlands 3 obviously is going to get a lot of you. Greedfall, I'm telling you guys, go look at that trailer. I think you guys are going to really like what you see. Walking Dead, I think, is one that people will pay attention to. Certainly. If you missed out on that and you don't care about trophies, that's obviously a good way to get it. I like how Hero Express sounds. (laughs) And also Agatha Knife. Agatha Knife has a nice name. Those have caught my eye. Chris, let's get into As Tradition Dictates. The questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. Remember, you can support us on patreon.com slash stand for early ad-free access to every episode of the show and the ability to submit your queries. If you insist. Chris, let's start with Brent Linquist. He wrote in and said, hey, fellas, I noticed recently that there are quite a few games coming only to Switch outside of the obvious Nintendo published exclusives and second party titles. Is Nintendo doing something that Sony isn't doing to sweeten the deal with the publishers of games like Katana Zero, Golf Story, The Red Lantern, Gato Roboto, My Friend Pedro, Fast RMX, and more? As always, thanks for all you do. It is likely that they are. Yeah. Although I don't know the details exactly. This reminds me a great deal of what Sony used to do with the so-called pub fund. This was during the PS3 and Vita heyday, where Sony would basically pay a studio money to develop their game and release it exclusively on PS3 and PS4. The monies earned would go back to paying the money back that they borrowed from Sony. Then everything on top of that would be profit and the game would have to be isolated on PlayStation platforms for a certain amount of time. So that's my assumption because games like Golf Story, which are huge, if I were the developer of that, I'd want that on PlayStation and Xbox immediately. So yeah. there has to be some sort of back end deal. They're just not being public about it. The pub fund was very public. Everyone knew the details of that. Yeah, I'm sure they're doing something because like there's a lot of good shit on Switch right now. I agree. Astral, Astral Chain came out. Yeah, Astral which Chain is like apparently cool. great. My friend Pedro, I know is on PC as well, but my friend Pedro is great. Actually, fantastic. Have you played it at no, all? Do you no. know what it is? No, I've not seen it. <laughs> Look it up. It's it's ridiculous. I, I, there's really no way to describe it unless like I show it to you. Fair enough. But it's it's I would recommend it. So yeah, Brent, I, I assume something's going on there. I mean, Sony, I really feel we said this before. I really feel like they've dropped the ball by allowing too many games on their platform and not mm-hmm. really identifying the valuable games. games. And now they're focusing on the big ones. Yeah. Now, now, but the and and some of these weird A games, right? But there's all this stuff in between. 
that's really weird. And they are losing these exclusives that do matter. Katana Zero is like a really cool looking game. Golf Story is incredibly popular. So yeah, I don't know the exact details of it, but pub funded games that Sony got back in the day were games like Guacamelee, uh, which was a, a really famous pub funded game that Sony helped pay for and came out because of Sony, basically. Uh, so uh, another one is Mercenary Kings, which was a fucking awesome game. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was an early PS4 game. So there are a lot of options. Claire McMaster wrote in and said, hey, Candid Colin and Charismatic Chris, along with owning all the current platforms, I'm also a retro game collector with around 15 systems and a bunch of physical games for all of them. However, it's all set up in my basement and due to my life situation, I hardly ever go down there and play them anymore. Now that all, now that all these mini, mini retro consoles have and still are coming out, which provide a more convenient way to play those classics on modern TVs, do you think it's time for me to sell it all? On that note, do you think Sony will release a PS2 Classic in 2020, celebrating 20 years since the launch of PS2, or would it be too much to release the PS5 and PS2 Classic in the same year? Uh, first of all, I think the PS2 Classic ship has sailed. Yeah. Because PS Classic was so bad. Also, don't sell your shit. Don't yeah, do it. I don't They're not know, worth Claire. that much. They're not worth that much that you're going to gain anything from selling them. Yeah, if you need the money, then I would say sell it. But yeah, retro games are... I, I Here's my theory. I think we've talked about this in the past. I think that eventually anything that's old and functional is going to be valuable because... As we get more and more away from physical goods, magazines, for instance, right, newspapers, video games, Blu-rays, whatever, I think in 100 years, and I'm not saying we're going to be around for this, Claire, but in 100 years, I think all of it's going to have some value because people are going to be like, in 10 years, you're not going to buy games in stores anymore. So yeah. that's not going to be an option. So our great grandkids are going to be like, what the fuck is this? This cartridge that holds a megabyte? Yeah, yeah. And it goes in this I system? Just, yeah, I, I, just bought, cool. I just bought a PS2 recently. Oh, it works? 20 bucks. Works, which is yeah. insane, <laughs> but a lot of moving parts in there. But no, like I think, the, the, yeah, the PlayStation Two Classic is not happening. I think if anything, they're probably going to. They should. What they should do is what Nintendo's been doing, which is with their NES and SNES on uh, Switch Online or whatever the hell, and just have a virtual console on there. I think that would be a pretty ballsy move. I think that'd be a good move for the PS Five, especially at launch when there's like very few titles to just be like, hey, there's a virtual console on PS Five. Here's a bunch of PS3, PS2 games that are just like first party PS3 games that are free. A bunch of uh, PS2 games that are like, you know, I, th I think that'd be smart. I think so, too. I, I really do feel like there's going to be a component to PS5 that's going to deal with this because it's such a large and vocal complaint. The, the fact that PS4 can't even play PS1 classics with PS3 and Vita does doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. And I know you have to emulate it and all that, but they have a lot to deal with and they have a classic catalog of games that people want access to. So yeah. it would be very wise for them in a perfect world for me, and I've said this in the past, if they if they really wanted to do it right, identify a bunch of classic PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games, send them through certification again, give them trophies, fix things that are broken in them, sell them on PS5, make them available to play. Yeah, it's it's just it's just money on the table. But you brought virtual console as a proper noun. And I've said in the past, too, I think virtual console, like actual virtual console will be on PlayStation 5 eventually. Nintendo's virtual console. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, remember Banjo and Kazooie just came to Smash Brothers like what last week and mm -hmm. people are enjoying them very much. And uh, Xbox was uh, actually trending in Japan when that happened, which is interesting. So, yeah, we'll see what all happens with that. But yeah, Claire, I agree with Chris. Don't sell your stuff unless you need the money and you're hard up or whatever. Then, But it doesn't seem like you're hard up because they're in your basement. You're never, you don't even pay attention to that stuff. So maybe put it away. If anything, I would put your stuff away and keep it safe so things don't rust and things don't get all out of whack. Yeah. What All I, I know is that like everything that I own still from back in the day, I'm happy that I still have like the, that old PS1 that I have. I'm very happy. I still have that. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm a fan of not selling at the very least. Don't sell your hardware. That's always been my mm -hmm. my uh, recommendation. John. Le, what is this? John Labuda wrote into us, said, hey, Colonial Colin and Kissable Chris. 
Ooh, getting a little sexual. Longtime listener, first time subscriber. Hideo Kojima announced that Death Stranding will have a very easy mode for those just wanting to experience the story without much difficulty. As someone who plays games to chill during my limited free time in the evenings, this is great news to me. Obviously, some games are designed with difficulty at the core, Sekiro, Bloodborne, etc. But for normal single player story driven games, what do you guys think of very easy modes for those who just want to casually play the game? Keep I don't see a problem with that. Me neither. It's totally fine. I would say, like, maybe disable some trophies. But, like, aside from that, like, yeah, I don't see a problem. Yeah, disable all trophies even. Disable online play, whatever the case might be. But giving players options like that, I think, is... Th- there's nothing wrong with it. Accessibility is a good thing. Yeah. No, I was I was playing The Witcher 3 on the, the, one of the easiest difficulties because I just don't like the combat in that game. I like the story and I like the narrative and I like the actors and all that shit. But, like, the combat is just so weird to me. It just doesn't drive with me at all. So I was just like, yeah, I'm not... I don't need to do this. I found it a little tedious myself. Yeah. I don't like the term gatekeeping, and I don't know if that's what people's intention is, but people that complain about this stuff, I, I find it peculiar because as long as it's not taking away from the core experience, like the Bloodborne thing about making Bloodborne easier, Sekiro, I think, or Sekiro, actually, yeah. That was different because they've designed the game to be hard. The game's hard by design, and that's, and that's what John says in his letter, and I agree. But for games that have... If there's a scaling difficulty in a game and it's like hard, normal and easy, then what, what's the difference of making it very hard and very easy? I, I don't see like what the big deal is from that yeah. point. Honestly, I'm against difficulties in general. Well, I am too. That I was think cool they should, control. Think, control had no difficulty. Yeah, so. they should just be designed in the way that they're supposed to be played, you know? And I think the strongest games are the ones that have like just set you on the path that it's in, intended for. Because otherwise you're like, oh, is, is like hard too hard or is easy too easy? And then like inevitably something's going to be balanced weird between this the different ones. It's like, And sometimes it's just like, oh, this guy does more damage. And that's the only difference that the, the, the difficulty does. And it just feels like, I don't know. It feels like it takes more skill to design like one difficulty that plays perfectly than it does to just have all these weird options. I agree. That's my opinion, though. Yeah, that's interesting in the sense that, see, that's the major complaint, though, and that was what disabled gamers and people that just weren't skilled were complaining about with Sekiro, which was that it was not accessible to them because they made it as is. But I agree with you. If that's the game, then that's the game. You don't have a God-given right to play a game just because it's released. Yeah. yeah. But if I were making a game, and I am, we we, will make it as accessible as we can to as many players as we can. Yeah, for sure. Just because I think that's good business. But yeah. It's also good business for the, you know, the from softwares of the world to say, like, we make hard games. That's what we do. We make hard games. If you, you can't play them, we can't play them. <laughs> Ray Ripley wrote into us, said, hello, Colin and Chris. I hope all is well. Are you guys afraid that sometime in the future you won't be able to play video games anymore due to old age? What if my mind or my reflexes won't be good enough to play certain types of games anymore when I'm 60 plus? Do you guys ever think about this? Have you ever noticed that some of your gaming skills go down as you age? As always, keep Tuesdays great. I have only gotten better. I've aged like a fine wine. Interesting. So you think you're better at games than you've ever been right Oh, no, hell no. (laughs) No. Mm. I'm being an asshole. There there were things that I used to do as a 12-year-old that I just, I can't even comprehend. Like how I was able to do them. I'm in the same boat. Especially multiplayer wise. Like I, 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 I was that 12 year old that was like stomping adults. And now I'm the adult and it feels terrible. Something happened along the way. I'm definitely worse at games now than I than I was. Yeah, there's no doubt. I was better. I was beating Kid Icarus at like six years old. I, I, I don't even think I could beat Kid Icarus now. Yeah, I'm better. At, it's weird. Like I'm better at some games. Like I'm worse at shooters, but I'm better at like uh, Bloodborne and stuff like that. Like Dark Souls games. I think I'm better at now than I was. But like shooters, I'm like I'm way worse now. I don't have patience, I think, when I play anymore, which is a problem, right? Where I try to just blunt force my way through every situation in a game because I'm like, yeah. I just want to get through this. And I get frustrated because I die and I'm supposed to be s- sneaky. And that happened to me in The Last of Us a few times where I'm like, God, just like, just get me through this fucking part of the game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't even want to do it. I just want to get through the game. So 
I'm definitely worse now than I than I used to be. I mean, even if I sit down and play games that I'm I'm actually quite skilled at, I'm like, well, I think I was better when I was like eight than I am now at the yeah, you know, Super Mario doubt. Brothers or something. I used to just destroy. And I'm like really struggling and second guessing myself and like getting sweaty and stuff. It's that confidence. It's that childlike confidence where you're not <laughs> thinking about anything aside from the game. Indeed. I also think it's a level of obsession. Like we used to obsess over specific games. And so you would become really good at them. Yeah. Now you're just obsessed about existential crises. Indeed. What is life? What is death? I don't know. Trent Mix wrote into us and said, hey, gents, with Nintendo periodically releasing a slew of NES games and more recently a handful of SNES games as part of their online service. Do you think that Sony would? Oh, wait, we, we already answered this, I think, actually. Didn't we? Well, not really. I'm going to keep going. Do you think that Sony would ever do something similar and release at least some of their PS1 or PS2 libraries? Or do you think the flop of the PlayStation Classic has turned them off to the idea altogether? I think the PlayStation Classic's biggest problem was the subpar games or the other available methods of getting those games compared to what the NES and SNES Classic had to offer. It would be a cool bonus to PlayStation Plus subscribers, especially after getting rid of PS3 and Vita games from the free monthly games. Keep up the great work. Glad to finally be a patron. Trent, we kind of answered this already, but he does have an angle here that I want to explore, Chris, which is the idea of upping the ante on PlayStation Plus by making some of these games free. And we've talked about this in the past about making PlayStation Plus an overarching theme, mm -hmm. an umbrella that view and now and plus would all fall under and you'd pay the same amount of money. So it could be an enticing thing to give some classic games away every month. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. That would be a great idea, especially because they don't really have to pay for them. I mean, they own enough first party and second party games that they could just endlessly release them without having to pay licensing fees or permissions for uh, third party developers and publishers. Yeah, I think that'd be a smart way to go about it. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I mean, dude, there are. There's got to be over 100 Sony published PlayStation 2 games, right? I mean, I'm not saying all of them are good. They're certainly not, but, yeah, but there's, there's a, a lot of there's them. There's enough to, to justify putting at least one out every month yeah. for the foreseeable future for it, like a while, it would for be, like a long while. It would be a zero-sum game for them because, again, they wouldn't, they would, they wouldn't lose any income because the game's not for sale. It's they just, just take it out of their fucking vault. That's it's it. just weird to me that you can, like, it, it makes no sense to me that you can play, like, some of the original Metal Gears on Xbox One, but you can't play them on PS4. It's like, it's, what? Yeah, you can't it's play what, so one, baffling. two, three, or you play four on there now, right? No, maybe not. You can play two and three on PS3 and Vita. You can play two and three on the oh on Xbox One. On, I'm saying. On yeah, Xbox yeah, One. yeah, I'm saying, I mean on PS4. I'm sorry. Yeah, only five. You can only. I think it's it's available. only five. I think so. <laughs> it's only five. Insane. I think so. Jesus. Final question comes from a man only known as Pete. Oh. He says, "Hey CNC, have ever have any of you ever fallen into a gaming depression after finishing a game?" I recently finished Red Dead Redemption 2. Awesome spoiler cast, by the way. Thank you. I played around 100 hours over three months. Safe to say the game completely captivated me. The problem is that pretty much every game I've touched since then leaves me wanting. I've been reduced to just staring at my backlog, not knowing what to install and play next. Has this ever happened to you? If so, which game and what did you do to get over the hump? Anyway, keep up the great work. He has ga Pete has gaming depression. I don't know if I'd call it gaming depression, but there's like definitely like games that I finished that I'm like, wow. That's going to be a hard one to top for a while. I think God of War was that for a while. Mm. And then every game I played after God of War was just kind of like, that was fun, you know? And then Red Dead 2 came out, and then that was it. There's elements of control that make me feel that way. It's like, damn, I wish I could experience this part again for the first time. But I don't know if I would call it a gaming depression, you know? I feel like it's a bit sad. Yeah. You know? It, it's Depression is a sad word. But yeah, it's, it's more like just like uh, acclimating to different levels of quality. Yeah. And I also think that like when you invest a lot of time and energy into something, it's like finishing a good book or something you, or a TV show. 
it is disappointing because you want more. I, I think that wanting is just is is common. Although I will say that I stick around with games too long where, because I'm usually trying to get trophies in them where I usually can't stand the game after a yeah. while. And that's, that's a, the completionist problem. Right, exactly. That's, I don't have that problem at all. I love pretty much every game. I've that's played my now. problem. <laughs> you know, like I love this. Like I almost want to throw every game into the garbage by the time I'm done with it because of like the things I'm doing in the games. But that's why I don't really try to worry about trophies anymore while I'm whilst I'm like playing the adventure. And then I worry if I want to do that after the fact because it it's not really germane to the quality of the game. It's my own OCD that kind of does that. But I've finished many role-playing games. And even when I finished Final Fantasy VII for the first time in a long time back in 2017 on PS4, I was kind of sad when it was over. I was like, that was good. And now that I want to sit down and play Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, maybe I'll have a similar problem. I've, I've often found that in role-playing games specifically because you spend so much time with them and get to know the characters and the systems and the world, and then it's over. And it is it is a little disappointing. It's yeah. not like playing a game for 10 or 15 hours. It's like playing a game for, like you said, 100 hours. Yeah. It's a big investment. Yeah, I, and I, I can tell that like I'm liking Gears enough that I'm gonna be kind of like bummed when it's over, because it's a fun story and a nice like really likable cast of characters. I'm like, ah man, I like Gears. I haven't played Gears Five obviously because it, it's just that, but I, I enjoyed Gears Four quite a bit. Chris, that's all we have for this episode of Sacred Symbols, episode sixty three. Well, it's time for us to go record our Control spoiler cast and yeah. we also do our River City Girls Let's Play. It's a lot of content to do today. Well, we do. We've been doing a lot of content actually every Monday now. It's good. Productive weeks. It is. It is. It is a good way to start the productive week and then slowly fall into uh, unproductivity, which is uh, typically <laughs> what happens. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed our show. Thank you so much for your love, your kindness and your support. It is a little slow. Yeah. Uh, but things are going to start picking up in the fall, obviously, with the big releases coming out. So Borderlands we'll have right around the corner. Indeed. We'll have Borderlands. Uh, we'll have I'm um, looking forward to playing Greedfall, which I'll download this week and, and some other games as well. Remember to go to YouTube and check out our Let's Plays. River City Girls, again, is going to be the next one coming up. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand for early ad free access to every episode of this show. Exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas and on and on and on. We appreciate your love, your kindness. Again, CLS's Patreon has never been bigger. So thank you so much for your love and your kindness. We could not do this without you. We will see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Take good care of yourselves. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand, LLC, and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Jeremy Cochran, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Knight Draft, David Ellis, 
Liam Fagan, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphrey, Stephen Insler, Blake Israel, Azan Isa Al Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jagger, Joshua Jonathan, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Sharo Kadir Hama Kareem, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kojatska, Ron Krauskopf, Jackson Lastiqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M, Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, David Mann, Matt Martin, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Philip J. Melk, Andrew Mendoza, Matthew Miller, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, Jose Salinas, John Scholes, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Alex Schutt, Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Streicharsk, Ahmad Tamar, Will Thielander, Ben Thompson, Ren Todd, Carl Tolman, Alan Trembley, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayne, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Bloody Fang, Hugo's Desk, Casual Misfits Gaming, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, McDog18, Infinite, Organic Produce, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Rainick, and Donk2015.